This is The Schnitt Show. It is a huge day of computer glitches across the United States of America. Routers, stock market going down, Wall Street Journal going down. If I can't have WallStreetJournal.com, I am royally screwed. Greetings, it is Cigar Dave, the General America's Alpha Male in for Schnitt, who is on vacation and in just a moment, we're going to be joined by Steve Goldstein, the Washington Bureau Chief for MarketWatch.com. But as I sat down about 10 seconds before I get ready to conduct broadcast maneuvers here for Schnitt in his not very palatial studio, I think the last time Schnitt had it renovated was 1907, James B., his outstanding executive producer, says, General, do you know how to work the microphone? James, really? In fact, today marks the 20th anniversary that I have been on the airwaves. July 8th, 1995, I began my show in Tampa, now called the Cigar Dave Show. Hard to believe, exactly 20 years to the day. And he says, do you know how to operate your microphone? James, really? Come on. We're not, I'm not a buck private here. I know exactly what I'm doing. But he waits till 10 seconds before to tell me that. All right, big day today in the world of computer glitches. First, this morning at 8 a.m., United Airlines suffers a computer problem, a router problem that degraded network connectivity for various applications, according to a United spokesperson. And all United Airlines flights were grounded until 9.45, almost two hours. That's the second computer glitch now in the last couple of months. And then at 11.23 this morning, the New York Stock Exchange ceases trading. Unexplained halt in trading. Now, that should alarm all investors. And they've been offline since 1123 this morning. They initially said it would resume. They would resume trading between 245 and 3. It's now 308 Eastern time. And now they're saying they will resume floor trading at 310 p.m. And then at the same time that... The New York Stock Exchange goes down. Actually, I, I stand corrected. It was 11.32 a.m., not 11.23. The Wall Street Journal goes down. Are these coincidences? Are these related? Well, a couple of things. First of all, Josh Ernest, the presidential spokesperson, had this to say about the glitch. This afternoon, the president was briefed by his okay. Homeland Security Advisor, Lisa Monaco, uh, and the White House Chief of Staff, Dennis McDonough, uh, about the technical issues that are currently being uh, experienced by the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, Ms. Monaco uh, told the president that at this point there is no indication that malicious actors uh, are involved in these technology issues. So Obama's propaganda minister says no malicious actors. And then Jay Johnson, the Secretary of Homeland Security, had this to say. It appears from what we know at this stage that the uh, malfunctions at United and the Stock Exchange were not the result of any nefarious actor. No nefarious actor. Now, do you think if there was some sort of cyber terrorism that the government and the New York Stock Exchange and United Airlines would come out and admit it? I'm not so sure. But for those of you that are into stock market trading, for those of you that are in the markets, that invest on a regular basis, even though... The New York Stock Exchange is the largest exchange, and it is down for trading. That doesn't mean that you, can, you cannot continue to trade through other exchanges. 
And to talk about that, let's bring the Washington Bureau Chief for MarketWatch.com, Stephen Goldstein. Stephen, great to have you today on the Schnitt Show. And let me ask you, a lot of people are concerned. I'm just looking at CNBC right now, and they're saying that trading will resume imminently on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. But if I'm an investor, I should be concerned because five years ago we had the flash crash. It took them five years to figure out what exactly happened. And if I'm an investor, I'm a little worried because we no longer get physical stock certificates or bond certificates. Everything is done electronically. Should I be concerned? Well, there's concern and there's concern, right? And uh, good afternoon, by the way. Um, I, I think... Look, these kind of glitches, and um, you know, at this point, I, I do think that's the most likely cause. Um, you know, the New York Stock Exchange last night was rolling out some new software, so honestly, um, you know, that that does seem to be most likely the cause that they. But they roll they out. Here's the thing: they roll out into the system. If they roll out software, you'd think they would have that fully tested and integrated before they oh, release that absolutely. to the public. Absolutely. Absolutely, and it's a it's a disgrace that that you know the New York Stock Exchange is down for three hours, and you shouldn't test uh, new software, <laughs> you know, live like that. Um, and it's not the first time that we've seen problems, as you pointed out. Uh, we've seen it in different, both on New York Stock Exchange and other exchanges. Uh, we've seen the firms that you know play a major role, you know, do their own kind of. Uh, uh, crazy mistakes. Uh, one, one company lost about $500 million because they had a program that basically did stupid to- stock trades. Uh, and, you know, it was just a mistake. Uh, so these things do happen. You're right that it, it is happening uh, with greater frequency. Uh, it seems like it's at least one or two a year. Uh, but all, as you also pointed out earlier, if you're an investor trading, I mean, did you even notice? Um, you know, it took uh, it took a few minutes for us to notice, to be honest, just because it was seamless. Uh, it, all the major stocks traded in the New York Stock Exchange, they kept trading. And why did they keep trading? Because we have kind of a crazy stock market where, uh, you know, the New York Stock Exchange can trade stocks listed on the NASDAQ. NASDAQ can trade stocks listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, you have these... Uh, other exchanges set up that uh, you've never heard of, and honestly, I have to look them up from time to time. Uh, they're called dark pools, and it's basically where big investors blindly trade with one another. So there are tons of different uh, venues now to trade stocks. So um, I think it's you know it's disappointing that. Uh, uh, an institution like the New York Stock Exchange has this kind of problem. Uh, should you be worried as an investor? Um, I don't know. Uh, I think there's two trains of thought. Steve Goldstein, Washington Bureau Chief for MarketWatch.com, our guest on the Schnitt Show here in this opening segment. Last summer, Better Markets conducted a survey and found that 64% of respondents don't trust the markets. Do you believe that this will have a more adverse effect on people trusting their where they put their money? It won't help, that's for sure. Um, and I think when, you know, though, when people think are talking about don't trust, I honestly think that has a lot more to do with the 
tremendous drop that we saw in 2008 uh, and the market meltdown, then it does the reliability of exchanges. I think people are concerned, and I mean, I know that they are concerned. We, you know, all the data suggests this, um, that there'll be a, uh, you know, a repeat of what happened in 2008. So people are concerned about the price of their stocks. Um, I don't think as much uh, attention, except on, you know, days like this, to the actual mechanics of trading a stock or not. Um, but it, you know, the two issues get lumped together. Um, they they do feed off one another. But this has been one of the interesting points of this. You know, the the market has rallied a huge amount since March two thousand nine. And, and, and let me just interrupt you. New York Stock Exchange trading has resumed three and a half hours after the halt. It is down two hundred and two point eight points. Just just about one point five percent right now. So, and the market has been in a down mode, in a downturn, really for the last week or so. And I want to bring this up, Steve, with you talking about China, because you mentioned two thousand eight, where we had a meltdown here in the U.S. markets over the past month. The Shanghai Composite Index has dropped 32%. It was down 5.9% yesterday. And much of that is because really a parabolic rise since the beginning of this year. It's gone from about 2,000 to about 5,200 in a matter of five months or so. A very, very big parabolic rise. And now it's dropping like a lead brick. And much of that fueled because of margin. Yeah, I, I mean, that's absolutely right. I think what's been going on in Shanghai, you know, I think, well, for one thing, it's great that the Chinese were so protectionist. They they helped uh, a, a lot of people in the U.S. save a lot of money uh, by making it more difficult to get in there. Of course, there are Chinese companies listed on U.S. exchanges, but uh, they've really kept their stock market out of the hands of foreigners uh, and we've benefited from that. So. Absolutely. And, and the question is, how does that uh, – it's a much smaller market, obviously, than the, the NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange. How will that – will that in any way, shape, or form affect American markets? Well, it might. Um, number one, you do have these Chinese uh, companies that are, are listed here. Um, but more importantly, there's the concern. Look, China has been one of the major causes of global growth over, uh, let's say, the last decade. Uh, and, yeah, there's definitely the worry that, um, you know, if a stock market crash in China causes a, a recession or even, you know, in a country growing 7% a year, even slower growth. This could have major implications. I mean, who's out there buying our stuff? Um, a lot of times, it's it's China. Well, well, the Chinese um, government is panicking, and they've done everything they they can, all sorts of measures over the last couple of weeks to uh, to halt the slide, but it has not worked. And when you have people that uh, that are bar- uh, buying stocks on margin, meaning up to fifty percent of the price of the stock, they can borrow. That's great when the market goes up. But all of a sudden, when you use leverage and the market goes down, that is a major domino effect. And I always say that you gently climb the stairs of a market when it's going up, but you fall down the stairs rapidly when the market is in decline. Yeah, and they're, 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 they're falling pretty hard. Uh, it's incredible that roughly half the Chinese market is shut. Um, 
Although, as one of our columnists here on Market Watch pointed out, uh, thanks to the New York Stock Exchange, you know, we, we had all of the market shut. Um, but um, but it is pretty incredible when when you have uh, so many stocks suspended. Um, I don't know that uh, there was a tremendous amount of faith in the accounting of these companies to begin with. Um, so what what we're seeing in China certainly is cause for concern and. You know, we haven't even talked about Greece yet. Yeah, we'll, we'll, that's, we'll save that topic for another day. We could go on a month about, about Greece. That's another disaster area. Steve Goldstein, the Washington Bureau Chief of MarketWatch.com. We appreciate you joining us. I'm sure that I will be uh, on MarketWatch.com right after the show and again uh, tonight and tomorrow because I'm sure you're going to be writing as to the who, what, where, when, and why the New York Stock Exchange went uh, went dark, if you will, for three and a half hours today. We appreciate you joining us today on the Schnitt Show. We will continue front and center. Cigar Dave, the general, in for Schnitt. The Schnitt Show. Cigar Dave, the general, America's alpha male. It is the Schnitt Show with an alpha male twist today. 800-801-8999. 800 801-8999. Schnitzshow.com is the website. By the way, we are also simulcasting the Schnitt Show today via CigarDave.com and the Cigar Dave mobile apps. And I will all out I tell Schnitt right off the bat when he begs me to host for him. I said, here's the deal. I'm going to plug my show and my website and my Twitter handle and Facebook unmercilessly, continuously. And he's like, oh, General, as long as you host, you can do whatever you want. So I'm going to do that. Uh, CigarDaveShow.com, correction, CigarDave.com is the website. At CigarDaveShow is my Twitter handle, Facebook.com slash CigarDave. Download my mobile app. And by the way, if you have never caught me, Saturday noon to 2 Eastern time, we talk about the alpha male good life. We talk about cigars, spirits, diversions. We fight the enemies of pleasure. And one of the things that I am proud of is the fact that I have nads of steel as an alpha male. And one of those people who is an alpha male, without any question, is Donald Trump. And right now on CNN, there was just an interview with Anderson Cooper and the lead headline, breaking news, Trump cannot guarantee that all his workers are legal. Well, the problem is there is no database with the United States. Somebody can come to you with a fake ID, fake license, fake social security card, and you as an employer have absolutely no way on earth to check that. And as somebody who's employed people in the past... I made everybody fill out a W or an I nine, a W nine, or an I nine, whatever, whatever the form is. I think it's an I nine. But the problem is there is no database. So now, of course, you're going to see the lamestream media. You're going to see all the Democrats. You're going to see all the libs. They're all going to go after Donald Trump, saying, "Look, he's hiring illegal aliens. There's no way we can. We we have to have amnesty." Sorry. Not so fast. But the one thing I admire about Donald Trump is he made the statements about the Mexican illegal aliens, and he's sticking by it. And he's right in the respect that we have to close the border. The border is a sieve. Any country's sole, really, when you think about it, the sole duty of the federal government is to protect its borders and to ensure the security of its citizens. That's first and foremost. That's paramount. It's not Social Security. It's not welfare. It's not the Postal Service. The first and foremost item that a government must do for its citizens, protect the borders and guarantee 
protect the national security from attack, from enemies, from intruders. We could easily solve the border problem. Build a giant fence, a triple redundant fence. It's done in Israel. It's done in other countries. I know of no other country. Try to go to Mexico. And when they say, how long are you here for? I don't know. Maybe I'll stay for five years, ten years. I'm thinking of just moving here permanently. Let's see what they say. They'll turn you right around, march you back on the airplane, and so and say, adios, don't come back again. You're going back to the United States. But for some reason, the libs in this country feel, let everybody in. And Trump was right. We do have a lot of undesirables coming over the border. Look what happened in San Francisco. There's example after example. Cigar Dave the General. America's Alpha Male in for Schnitt, 800-801-8999. Listen to Schnitt anytime, anywhere, 24-7. Get the free iHeartRadio app for your smartphone at schnittshow.com. Jesus, that could be scary. Schnitt, 24-7, 365. About as scary as yours truly, Cigar Dave the General, 24-7-365. Filling in for my uh, longtime friend and colleague, Todd Schnitt, here on the Schnitt Show. I just have one day of duty. And ironically, 20 years ago today, July 8, 1995, I started on the air in Tampa with a crazy concept to talk about cigars. The name of the show at the time was Smoke This, 12 o'clock noon, Saturday, July 8, 1995, 20 years ago. Today, it's called The Cigar Dave Show, and it's really about the alpha male lifestyle. Cigars, spirits, diversions, dames, everything associated with living the alpha male lifestyle. And if you would have told me 20 years ago that 20 years to the day I would be filling in on the Schnitt Show, I would have never predicted it. And I would never have predicted that my career has gone down so quickly in such a short amount of time having to fill in for Schnitt. I mean, this is not the highlight of my career, I've got to tell you. However, when Schnitt begs, I was more than happy to accommodate him. All right, this is, a, I knew this was coming. I absolutely knew this story was coming. This past weekend, July 4th, everybody wants to go off and shoot fireworks. And here in, in Tampa, where I reside, and where Schnitt resided until he uh, temporarily moved to New York to do his morning show, everywhere you go, starting two weeks before Independence Day, you see these different tents and roadside stands set up with fireworks. And they're all Chinese fireworks. There is nothing made in the United States. They're all Chinese fireworks. Now, I ask you this. Would you trust anything made from China, let alone explosives, things with with explosive powder? No way in hell. It's bad enough China can't make anything decently to begin with. But now you are going to entrust your life and limb with fireworks? And you see it all the time. It never ends. It never fails to amaze me. And you just know when you see these people buying it, somewhere along the line, they're going to blow off a thumb, they're going to blow off a finger, there's going to be some sort of casualty. And do-it-yourself fireworks displays last year resulted in 9,300 injuries, 32 million in property damages, and 20,000 fires each year. So common sense would dictate, stay away. Leave the fireworks to the professionals. What's the name of that, uh, the very famous firework, uh, the Italian family up in New York? The Gruccis, one of them. Sue, take a look at that. 
Sue Trikas, Schnitt's executive. I feel like Schnitt. Sue, look this up for me, will you please? I can't remember what their names are, but they're very, very well known. They do very Grucci. Thank you very much, Sue. The Grucci family. They're well known. And it never ceases to amaze me. People will, instead of watching the professionals, they will actually try to do buy these garbage fireworks from China, blow them off themselves, set something on fire. And and before I continue, I see Jimmy Walker right now is on Fox News. He's a former co-star with Bill Cosby. They're talking about the Bill Cosby thing. Sue, remind me, I have to share a story about when Jimmy Walker was here in the Clear Channel building about five years ago. No, <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Walker, better and better. Did you say that on the air, Sue, or was that just, oh, she said, put, put your mic on, Sue. Put your mic. Tell me exactly what you said. I said he just gets better and better looking, doesn't he? Not exactly. As a friend to him, I'd say, Jimmy, it's over. It's done. It's finished. But I'm going to get to that story. Remind me, because I want to tell, talk about that story. Very interesting. Not the most pleasant of gentlemen. But going back to the fireworks thing, you know you're going to read about people blowing off their hands, their fingers, whatever. And this past weekend, we saw a couple, actually, we saw multiple well-reported stories. The first, football player Jason Pierre-Paul, defensive lineman for the New York Football Giants. Now, here's a guy that uh, could have signed a tender offer. He was made the franchise player. 12 or $13 million he would have received for one year. And the New York Giants had a $60 million multi-year offer on the table for him. Now, he didn't sign the offer, and he didn't sign the one-year tender. So he's got $12, $13 million on the line minimum. Now, as a football player with that kind of money at stake, you would think he'd say... Hey, I'm not going to do anything to risk injury. I'm not going to play basketball. I'm not going to go water skiing. Not going to go on a trampoline. Oh, and by the way, I am not going to shoot off fireworks and firecrackers in my hands. Now, did Jason Pierre-Paul follow that advice? Clearly not the brightest light on the tree. Down in Miami, and I saw this on Twitter. First of all, he's in the hospital. Nobody is saying exactly what happened, but they're saying it's a very serious hand or hand injury to either one hand or both hands. Not saying, in fact, the trainers for the New York Giants went down to see him, to talk to him, weren't allowed in the, in the, in the hospital room. But I saw this on Twitter. There was a van that was reportedly transporting the fireworks that he was going to light up. Now, when you have to rent a van, a U-Haul van, you know, one of those trucks you see like painters use and plumbers, one of those uh, Chevy vans, when you see somebody needing a van to transport fireworks, you know they're not blowing off just a couple of uh, couple of little sparklers. You know they're going full tilt. And so what happens? This guy now jeopardizes his career, his livelihood. He's in the hospital, apparently very serious injuries. They're not saying what it is. That in and of itself, but they're saying his hands weren't blown off. However, They're being very coy about what exactly happened, leading me to believe, because they're not saying anything, it's more serious than we may think. Now, let's go to C.J. Wilson, another football player for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's a cornerback. The Lincoln Times News in Lincoln, Lincolnton, North Carolina, reports that Wilson lost two fingers in a fireworks accident this past weekend. 
25 years old, been in the NFL for two years. He entered the NFL as an undrafted free agent out of North Carolina State, played in 2013 for the Bears, signed last year with the Bucks. Now, as a mate, let's just say he's making the league minimum. I think the league minimum now is 400000 450000 in the NFL, maybe more. I don't know. But it's at least three, dollars $400,000. His livelihood doesn't have two fingers. You're a cornerback. you got to catch the ball. He may be done. Over what? Chinese fireworks? So that's the second act of stupidity. Which brings me to the third and most glorious of stupid actions this weekend. 22-year-old Devin Staples. Listen to those fireworks. You will not see me touching fireworks. You will not see me go near fireworks. You will see me watching from afar, from the Gruchies, the professionals. Why is this? How long is this? 28 minutes? Three minutes? I wanted like 10 seconds. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't need three minutes of fireworks. All right, 22-year-old Devin Staples. This past July 4th weekend, on Saturday, had a little bit too much to drink at a friend's home in Calais, Maine. The group went out to the back deck to light fireworks. 22-year-old Devin Staples decided that he would attempt to light a firework or fireworks in a reloadable fireworks mortar tube off his head. I knew this was coming. I, I, I'm not even done with the story, but you know where this is going to go. And I said this when I heard this. But I'll get to what exactly I was going to say momentarily after I finish giving you the details. They go out to the back deck, has a little too much to drink. He loads a reloadable firework mortar tube and puts it on the top of his head and ignites it. Now, friends and his older brother, Corey, tried to dissuade him, but he ended up going through the decision to light it off his head. Well, what happened? He lights it. His head explodes, his body explodes. He's done. He is toast. He went up like the Gucci fireworks. Now, this is where it gets great. Now, this is his own stupidity, his own dumb action. And I said to myself, when when I first heard this, I said, mark my words. Mark my words. Somebody is going to come out. There's going to be a lawyer that's going to file a lawsuit, or somebody's going to blame something else or someone else except the to- the only person responsible, and that is 22-year-old Devin Staples who lit a fireworks mortar tube off his head. Well, sure enough, I knew this was coming. His mother, Kathleen Staples, is calling for stricter laws regarding who can and cannot handle explosives. Here's a quick one. How about you have to have one one millionth of a brain to handle explosives? Because clearly, Devin Staples didn't have a brain, and he definitely doesn't have one now. Yeah, that's the end of that. So his mother says, at least it'd be a little more than here you go. That's an explosive. They didn't just hand me a license that put me in the car. So she now is saying that... There should be a class that we, there should, before you light off those fireworks, you should know something about it. Here's a better one. How about just stay away from the fireworks? And if you do decide to light them, don't light them on your head. Mark my words, there will be some lawsuit. And now on every firework, there will be a big warning label saying, warning, 
do not light these fireworks off the top of your head. It may result in your body exploding and your death. Now, again, most people with one grain, one millionth of a grain of common sense would say, I'm definitely not going to put it in my hand, and I'm not putting it on my head to light it. Now, here's the thing. His friends tried to dissuade him. Guess what? His brother and his friends should have physically grabbed him and thrown him to the ground and said, you're not doing that. Now, if I'm the brother watching this, I know exactly what's going to happen when he lights it off his head. His head's going to explode. He's going to be toast. Yet, all they said is, well, we tried to dissuade him. You got to do more than try. So now Staples' mother calling for lawmakers to consider safety training courses for anyone who wishes to work with or handle fireworks. Now, she said her son thought the firework was a dud, meaning it wouldn't go off. Wrong. State Fire Marshal Joe Thomas believes that to be highly unlikely because it had already been fired and he can't imagine someone would anticipate that it was a dud. And there was no rushing him to the hospital, according to authorities, because there was no Devin left when I got there, uh, according to his brother. He said it was a freak accident. No, it wasn't. It was not a freak accident. It was an accident caused solely by the stupidity and bad judgment of Devin Staples, the kid who lit the fireworks off his head. Absolute sheer stupidity. And once again, every year, 9,300 injuries, 32 million in property damage, and 20,000 fires each year. My next-door neighbor, the kids started lighting fireworks off uh, from the backyard. And I have witnessed, I have seen when these, when you light these fireworks and you have the embers that are still hot, especially in a Florida summer where the roof is hot, all it takes is a couple of those embers to get on a roof, ignite it, and the whole house goes up in flames. So they're, they're doing them straight up. I said, guys, do not fire those straight up. First of all, they shouldn't have firing them anyway. It's total stupidity. But they should. I said, you got to angle them out way, way towards the away from the house so the embers don't, don't come on the roof. Because not only will you possibly set your house on fire, you could set mine and other people as well. And the kid said, oh, okay, thanks. Again, go watch the professionals. Absolute sheer stupidity. You want to go watch fireworks? Watch them downtown. Watch them, you know, where they, where, they, where they have the big festivals. But by all means, don't blow off fireworks off your head. Absolute stupidity. Cigar Dave the General in for Schnitt. 800-801-8999. Schnitz is on vacation. But it's a busy news day, so anytime he may pop in. I'll tell you a story about that a little bit later. Cigar Dave, the general America's alpha male in for Schnitt this afternoon. By the way. 800. What, what was that? By oh, the yeah. Way. James, hey. James B., his, uh, his producer. Yes. Just wanted to let you know, we did make coffee for you. At the requirement by Schnitt. Okay, now, is, is it freshly ground coffee, or is it like that garbage that they have in the commissary? It was freshly ground a month or so ago. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm clearly, when I do the Cigar Dave show, we're all about the good life. Okay, I have seen the coffee that is in the iHeartMedia commissary here. Uh-oh. Actually, it's not that bad. It's it's actually one of the better better places in Tampa. However, I needed fresh ground. By the way, James, do you know how to make espresso? A little bit. Okay, I'll well, take... Well, my Keurig does. 
You're cur- no, 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 no. That's no, no. I think actually, I'll tell you what. Somewhere in here, I've got an espresso machine that I think I left way back from the day. Uh, we'll make a little espresso for a little perk me up. I'm going to need right. it to get through the next two hours. 800-801-8999. 800-801-8999. Uh, Cigar Day of the General in for Schnitt. And by the way. Do not forget to follow me on Twitter at Cigar Dave Show. CigarDave.com is the website, Facebook.com slash Cigar Dave. All right, before we, we took the time out on, what was it, on Fox, J.J. Walker. You'll remember J.J. Walker from Good Times. Dynamite! 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 So about four or five years ago, I'm in the building here, the, the iHeart Media building in Tampa, where for many years I, I had my office and uh, and had a studio. And I'm walking down the hallway one one uh, late morning. I think he was actually on with Schnitt on his morning show, on the MJ Morning Show. And I see this guy look up. I'm getting my coffee, freshly ground, by the way. And who is it? It's J.J. Walker. Dynamite! So what's the first thing I say to him when I see him? I go, J.J. And he gives me this look. And he was an absolute prick. He was extremely rude. He just gave me a look. He's like, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. And I'm like, hey, I listen, I enjoy the show. I still watch it on on reruns on, on, on some of the different networks that carry it. Now, he ought to be thrilled that after, what is it, 30 years, 35 years, people even remember him. Has he ever had a hit, another TV show since that time? The answer is no. No dynamite. So you think he would be a little personable. You know, my, on my show, when when uh, people call in, the greeting is Long Ashes, you know, for a nice cigar. So when I see people out and about, they're like, Long Ashes, General. I'm like, back at you. No problem. Walk right through the building. That guy was an absolute prick. Not a pleasant guy in any way, shape, or form. So that is my uh, J.J. Walker story. All right. A lot going on in the next couple hours here on Schnitt. Yesterday... Hillary Clinton, her first ever national interview. It only took her long enough. Carly Fiorina's had like 480 interviews. Donald Trump, 600. Every other candidate's had a couple of hundred interviews. Hillary Clinton, first national interview. Now, I wonder if CNN correspondent Brianna Kyler, if she actually was roped around. Did they have little ropes around her, you know, where she could go and where she could sit around Hillary? So I've got a whole bunch of sound bites that we will get to, including one that is absolute sheer brilliance. You are going to want to hear that one. We'll talk about Donald Trump. United, down this morning due to a server. Planes grounded two hours. New York Stock Exchange trading halted three and a half hours. Wall Street Journal down. It is a crazy day here on The Schnitt Show. The Schnitt Show. is the Schnitt Show. Well, this is breaking. Baltimore mayor fires police commissioner as homicide rates spike. And that is from an Associated Press notification from the AP app. And ABC News has just tweeted it as well. We will get more info on that. Oh, I can't wait to go to town on that one as homicide rates spike. How about the Baltimore mayor lets her police do their job when rioting is occurring? 
Never dawned on her on that one. When's she going to fire herself? Greetings. It is the Schnitt Show. Cigar Dave, the general, America's alpha male, front and center today, conducting fill and hosting maneuvers. It is the Schnitt Show with an alpha male twist. Not to say that Schnitt is not an alpha male, but there's a little more testosterone in the studio today. 800-801-8999. 800-801-8999. The numbers to uh, join us today here on the Schnitt Show. By the way, if you would like to email me during the show, CigarDave at CigarDave.com. CigarDave at CigarDave.com. Follow me uh, on my Twitter account, at CigarDaveShow. Facebook.com slash CigarDave. For those of you that don't know, Schnitt and I have been longtime friends and colleagues. I've known Schnitt uh, about 18 years. And uh, every so often I fill in for him. He begs me every, every time he's on vacation. General, please, I beg you. Finally, I said, all right. I, I got tired of him seeing on his knees begging. I said, fine, this time I will fill in for just one day. So it is my pleasure to fill in for Schnitt. I host the Cigar Dave Show Saturdays noon to 2 on about 135 stations across the country. Some of the very same Schnitt, Schnitt Show affiliates. And you can also catch me at CigarDave.com and the Cigar Dave mobile app where we talk about the alpha male good life. All right, we've got some breaking news. Baltimore Mayor Stephanie Rawlings-Blake has fired Police Commissioner Anthony Batts. The mayor's office released today. Bats will be replaced on an interim basis by Deputy Commissioner Kevin Davis. The mayor's office said in a statement, Bats has headed the department during unrest triggered by the death of Freddie Gray, who died in April from an injury sustained in police custody, and that is from Reuters. Now, this is a butte. This is classic. So Baltimore Mayor Stephanie Rawlings-Blake points the finger at the police commissioner who she essentially cut his nads off during the rioting and every police officer saying, let them terrorize the streets. Let them do their damage. Don't just stand back. Stand down. Don't do anything to respond. And now she's blaming the police commissioner? When is the mayor going to point the finger at herself, look in the mirror, and whack herself for dereliction of duty? This is incredible. Now, I lived in Baltimore from 1986 until late 1988, almost about two and three-quarter years, two and a half years, two and three-quarter years, somewhere in that area. I lived right downtown, and I will never forget when I was going to move downtown right on North Charles Street in Saratoga. This is 1986, so downtown was really starting to get developed. The Inner Harbor was happening. Fells Point was happening. The downtown quarter was really starting to happen, a new convention center, hotels. It was, an, it was really full of action. 1986, Baltimore was already on the upswing. Mayor was William Donald Schaefer, the greatest mayor in Baltimore history. Really did a great job. A Democrat, but worked with the private sector. But he also knew that if he was going to attract conventions and tourists and people to come down to dine at the Inner Harbor or stay downtown that he had to make downtown safe. So everywhere you went in downtown Baltimore, 1986 to 1988, 89, before I left, ample police presence. Police, mounted police on horses, on horse patrol. The downtown area was lit extremely well. And I remember, coming right out of college, I would sometimes go to a jog at midnight, 1230, no problem. Right through downtown, right through the Inner Harbor, never a problem. And even the areas west of Baltimore, 
The urban areas where people said, oh, geez, real dangerous, I went in there, never had an issue. There were never the race issues when I lived in Baltimore from 86 to 88, 89 that they have today. And there's no question, much of it has been exacerbated by Obama, by Eric Holder, and certainly now by the by the district attorney for Baltimore. They're dividers. They're not uniters. So they're almost pouring, basically they're pouring lighter fluid on the, uh, uh, on the fire and really making it go up in flames big time. But I never had any issues living downtown. I'll never forget when my mother, uh, my parents had some friends that uh, were from Baltimore originally and lived in Buffalo where I grew up and moved back to Baltimore and she happened to be talking to them and saying, yep, uh, Dave's going to be moving downtown and told her where. And I remember my mother called me and said, are you sure this is a safe neighborhood? Because we talked to our friends and they said, ooh, downtown, it's very dangerous. And I said, no, downtown's happening. If you're single, that's where it's really going on. I didn't want to live in the suburbs. And it was happening. It, it was a great city. And I always thought maybe someday I'd move back to Baltimore, but ever since I've been in Tampa now for, what, uh, 26 years, that's not going to happen. But I always enjoyed going back to visit. And I was going to visit this summer. I have zero interest in visiting Baltimore this summer. And I loved visiting Baltimore. I loved going to East Baltimore to some of the crab houses. I love the Inner Harbor. Just a lot of energy. Fells Point. All the different areas in the city. Now, I wouldn't go near there. And I guarantee you there are conventions that are canceling by the droves. So the Baltimore mayor, who was partly, not partly, probably mostly responsible for letting things get out of control, fires police commissioner Anthony Batts. When will these politicians look in the mirror instead of blaming someone else? This is like a general manager that picks terrible players, brings in a coach, and then tells the coach, by the way, I brought all these bad players in, but when I do get some good players, you can't play them. you got to play the bad players. And then after a year or two, the head coach gets whacked. This is the exact same thing. Mayor Stephanie Rawlings-Blake, a joke of a mayor. Talk about a wussified beta, beta female Talk about somebody that has no command of the situation, who looked like she was staring at deer in headlights, who brings in Al Sharpton, the divider-in-chief, who had no business. When you bring in Al Sharpton, you may as well roll over and say, I'm just turning this here, 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 Al. Have the key to the city. It's your city. She looked like an absolute wimp. And when, when Leland Vitter of Fox News tried to ask her some significant and important questions at her news conference... What does she do? She, she, she almost uh, 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 not only ignores him, but says, I'm going to leave this news conference. We're civil here. We, we don't ask these kind of questions. And then Al Sharpton has to step in. It's an embarrassment. If I was Sheila, uh, Stephanie Rawlings-Blake, she ought to just turn in a resignation to bring Al Sharpton in. If Al Sharpton would have called, I would have said, I run the city, Mayor or Al. We don't need you coming in here. You stay back in New York. You conduct uh, broadcast hosting maneuvers on your a PMS NBC show that all of 10 people watch. We don't need you here inciting violence. Charleston told him to go screw off. The mayor, the city leaders, leaders of the black community in Charleston, after the, 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 the shooting spree, when Sharpton wanted to come down, they said, you're not welcome. Get the hell out. That's all you have to do. Get out.
So I wonder, when will Mayor Stephanie Rawlings-Blake look in the mirror and say, I really screwed up. I had no control. And how pathetic is it that she doesn't even stay in her house when the shiatsu is hitting the fan? She stayed at a friend's house or a relative's house in one of the Baltimore suburbs, suburbs in a gated community. Now, if you're the mayor, have a set. Grow a set. you got to lead. And I always say that politicians, whether it's a mayor, a president, a governor, county executive, they show their true mettle when there is a disaster or some type of emergency. Because the ones that stand up and say, I've got everything under control. Here's how we're going to deal with this. Here's how we're going to react. Here, I've got my police commissioner. i got my emergency managers, uh, manage, management personnel. Here's how we're going to take care of this. Jeb Bush did it back in 2004 when we had five or six hurricanes and tropical storms crisscross the state of Florida. We've seen other governors and other mayors step up to the plate. And then you look at the governor of Louisiana and the mayor of, of New Orleans. Back when Katrina hit, the governor of Louisiana starts to cry. I'm sorry. Grow a set. You got to run the show. I always use the, uh, the, the reference to General George S. Patton, the greatest general that ever lived. Patton had nads of steel. Patton was resolute. Patton didn't lead from behind. He led from the front. He wasn't uh, wimpy. He didn't, in any way, shape, or form, wasn't soft, wasn't indecisive. He ran the show. It's exactly what people want. And when Baltimore was burning, when the riders were going on, the mayor should have stepped up to the podium and said, I have empowered my police commissioner to do whatever is necessary to retake control of this city. We will not tolerate any destruction, any desecration. We will not tolerate any sort of vandalism or looting or arson. It is unacceptable. You may have a problem with what occurred with Freddie Gray, but this is not how we're going to conduct business here in Baltimore. We're going to let the legal system do its job. But if you think we're going to let you vent your frustrations, that's not going to happen. And by not doing that, what happened? She just put more fuel on the fire. And now Baltimore is a disaster area. And it was a disaster area. So to blame, put the mayor at the police chief, I guarantee you this police chief now is probably thrilled to be out of the direct supervision of Baltimore Mayor Stephanie Rawlings-Blake. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you that now that he is out, you'll see him appearing on the various news programs and the cable news networks, and he'll tell his story. And he will absolutely say that I was told to have our police force stand down. Guaranteed. Take it to the bank. Cigar Dave, the general in for Schnitt, 800-801-8999, 800-801-8999. Hillary Clinton, when we come back, I've been delaying this as long as I can because she just grates on me. She just irritates me. Just seeing her in those pantsuits, that blue pantsuit last night with her tree trunk bottom, it just is not a pleasant experience. But when we come back, we will dissect and go through CNN correspondent Brianna Keeler's interview, Hillary Clinton's first national interview, when we come back here on The Schnitt Show. 
The General Cigar Dave, America's Alpha Male in for Schnitt 800-801-8999. I believe Schnitt is in the People's Republic of California. Actually, I know he is in the People's Republic of California. Sounds like he is uh, from his Twitter account. He is touring wine country because he just posted some pictures of the Robert Mondavi Winery. And also a picture from, I think this was yesterday, uh, the French Laundry, which is a well-known restaurant. But I'll tell you about that a little bit later. Save your bucks if you want a very mediocre meal. Guy that owns that, also Thomas Kelleher, also owns a restaurant in New York called Per Se, or as I call it, Per Soso. But I'll get to that a little bit later on. All right, I, I want to save the Hillary Clinton interview. I want to get to it in its entirety. So I don't want to start it and have to uh, pause partially through. I want to get to the entire uh, interview. Because yesterday, Brianna Keller, CNN correspondent, conducted the first national interview of Hillary Rodham Clinton. And she is living in delusion land. She is absolutely living in la-la land because some of her answers were off the charts. In fact, even CNN's correspondent that conducted the interview, Brianna Keeler, said she didn't think Hillary was very forthcoming. But we will get to that a little bit later on. I've got some other things that I do want to get to. First of all, where is it? I know I've got it here. Oh, this is a butte. This is a butte. Now, imagine this. Imagine, if you will, a white professor saying that she didn't want her daughter to attend a university that had too many black students. Okay, keep that and just file that. Imagine a white professor who would then be terminated and continue to tweet similar type of things saying she didn't want her daughter attending a college where there are too many blacks or too many minorities and continued to tweet it on a regular basis. And imagine that another university hires that professor and applauds her where at that University where she is hired, some of her future colleagues say that, that the hiring of her is crazy. Now, you would say, hey, that, that's absolutely nuts. That's unacceptable. Well, let me reverse it a little bit because it was not a white professor talking negatively about blacks. It was a black professor talking negatively about whites. Sociology professor Zandria Robinson, who is black, quit her teaching sociology professorship at the University of Memphis on June 11th after telling Twitter followers she wouldn't let her daughter go to a school, and I quote here, with snotty, privileged whites. Subsequent to her leaving the University of Memphis, she continued to tweet, and I'm quoting here, whiteness is most certainly and inevitably terror, and how Quote again, mental health services could prevent white people from acting how they are conditioned to act. Clearly, there's no racism issues with this professor, right? Well, last week, Rhodes College announced Robinson had been hired and released a statement. Sue, do me a favor. Please look up where Rhodes College is. R-H-O-D-E-S. Never heard of Rhodes College. Have no idea. Maybe in Memphis for all I know. I guess it's a liberal arts college. Here's what Rhodes College sent out in their press release. As a leading scholar and author in the areas of race, class, gender, culture, and the South, Dr. Zandria Robinson's comments are sometimes provocative, controversial, and debatable. The statement added that her hiring shows the school, a private liberal arts college, is a place where intellectual engagement and the exchange of ideas are amongst our highest priorities. 
And apparently, so is racism. A little bit more when we continue. The Schnitt Show. Cigar Dave the General. 800-801-8999. Join us. This is Schnitt. The Schnitt Show. All right, there is breaking news. We'll go to Baltimore, where Mayor Stephanie Rawlings-Blake is holding a press conference regarding the firing of Police Commissioner Anthony Betts. Clear. This I want to hear. and successes I mentioned earlier didn't happen by accident. They occurred because of the hundreds of dedicated, hardworking men and women who put their lives on the line every day that they show up for work to make our city a better place. So on behalf of the people of Baltimore, let me say thank you for your service, and let's get to work. Because we all love our city, and it's up to all of us to make it a safer place. And with that, I will turn it over to Interim Commissioner Davis. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, I appreciate the Mayor's confidence in me. Uh, I will be brief this afternoon. Uh, My focus is for the future are really pretty simple. Uh, It's all about the crime fight, and it's all about the relationship with our community. And the relationship with our community needs to be one of service. So as we focus on the crime fight, particularly on violent repeat offenders, as we focus on the necessary relationships that we need to have with our community, it's not an enforcement relationship, it's a service relationship. And as we focus on the relationship that must exist with the rank and file men and women of the Baltimore Police Department. Uh, I promise the mayor, I promise the city that I will give it my best going forward. Uh, Baltimore deserves nothing less. I want to thank Commissioner Tony Batts. He's a, he's a friend, he's a mentor. Uh, there aren't many police chiefs and police commissioners in this country who have done what he's done. Uh, there are even fewer reform, true reform commissioners in American policing, and Tony Batts is at the top of that list. So my uh, Friendship with Commissioner Batts, uh, everything I've learned from him will help me serve the city and this police department going forward. Thank you. Mayor, a couple of times in the past uh, month or so, as violence is escalating, I asked you, uh, do you support your Commissioner Anthony Batts? And you said unequivocally yes. What has changed in the last couple of weeks since the last time I asked you that question? What has changed so quickly? It is clear uh, that the focus has been too much on the leadership of the department and not enough on the the crime fight. Uh, It is with the utmost urgency uh, that we get the the crime surge under control. Uh, And when the focus is on uh, repeatedly on the leadership, on, you know, who supports the leader, who doesn't support the leader, that's attention that we're all taking away from the essential work that we all have to do together, which is... All right, this is Mayor Stephanie Rawlings-Blake of Baltimore. uh, With collective impact. Answering questions about the firing of Police Commissioner Anthony Batts. And and, and she's not going to answer the question. To to blame someone else besides herself is absurd. Let's, Let's continue listening in. Department's police union uh, releases a report that's quite critical of the department's leadership and its handling of the city rights. Some observers say that you are, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, placating the FOP and the firing of facts. What do you say to that? I would say that it happened on the same day, um, but 
I don't think many who know me would uh, suggest that I would do anything to placate the FOP. I think Commissioner Davis, may we ask you a question? What do you think you can do differently to stem the tide of all of the violence we've seen in the past two months? Well, Jane, as you know, and you've been in Baltimore for a long, long time, there's 621 some odd thousand residents of Baltimore, but the number of bad guys out here carrying guns and harming our community is a very, very small number. So we have to sharpen our focus for those violent repeat offenders. We have to work collaboratively, continue to work collaboratively with the state's attorney's office, with the U.S. attorney's office, with our federal partners in the city. It's just a time of refocusing and re-energizing and going after the folks who are harming this community while we simultaneously serve the remainder of this community and the remainder of this community law-abiding citizens who want nothing more all right, we're going to cut out of this news conference uh, being held by Baltimore Mayor Stephanie Rawlings-Blake announcing the firing of Police Commissioner Anthony Betts and the uh, replacement on an interim basis by Deputy Commissioner Kevin Davis. Now, let's go. We, we've just pulled the audio from when Rawlings-Blake announces the firing that I want to play. As we have seen in recent weeks, too many continue to die on our streets, including... Three just last night, and one lost earlier today. Families are tired of feeling this pain, and so am I. So we need a change. This was not an easy decision, but it is one that is in the best interest of the people of Baltimore. No, the change that's necessary, Mayor, is you being fired or you resigning. That's the change. To blame the police commissioner for the continuous violence and the murders is absurd, especially when you neuter the police commissioner and you've neutered the police, and now the police are terrified to do their job with fear that something's going to happen, they're going to get caught on a camera, and they're the ones that are going to be arrested. Let's let's dissect this one more time. I'm going to go through her opening statement almost sentence by sentence. As we have seen in recent weeks, too many continue to die on our streets and of course let's point the finger where it should be pointed and that is to her mayor stephanie rawlings blake of baltimore including three just last night and one lost earlier today families are tired of feeling this pain and so am i i think the families and the citizens of baltimore are tired of you mayor they are tired of you Essentially, telling the police, let the rioters burn the city down. Don't take any action. Not essentially, that's exactly what she did, and it's coming out now. And I cannot wait to hear the former commissioner, when he goes and makes the rounds, when Anthony Batts makes the rounds on all the newscasts. So we need a change. Yes, the change that is necessary in Baltimore is you, sweetheart. You need to call a cab for a one-way ticket out of town, out of state, and out of the country. This was not an easy decision, but it is one that is in the best interest of the people of Baltimore. Sure, it was a very easy decision. She's lying. The reason it's easy is because otherwise she would have had to fire herself or had to resign. So let's pass the buck. Let's blame the police commissioner, and she'll come off scot-free. She looked like a deer in staring at headlights when everything was going on, when the riots were taking place, when the town was burning down, and then has to call on Al Sharpton to come in and prop her up 
That is absolutely pathetic. All right, calls coming in 800-801-8999, 800-801-8999. And what I'm shocked is, is that none of the networks, the cable networks, uh, interrupted their coverage to show this press conference. So we here at the Schnitt Show, with yours truly, Cigar Dave, the general hosting, are probably uh, the first. So let's go to Barry in Florida. You are front and center on the Schnitt Show with the general. Hey, how are you? Great. Listen, uh, the mayor told everyone to stand down, hold the line. She's, uh, she called them thugs, and then she said she was sorry about calling them thugs. The police commissioner did her bidding. They, uh, they brought in Sharpton at the president's request, and they screwed the town and killed the people. That's her legacy. That's exactly right, Barry. You are 100% correct. Uh, sh- look. The fact is, she was the one that called the shots and told the police and the commissioner. The commissioner wouldn't have automatically said to stand down unless it came from a higher authority. And it came directly from the mayor. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. She's the one to blame. And now Baltimore, it may take 20 years to recover the damage that was done over the matter of a couple of days. All right, let's uh, just see a new one has just come. Here's Well, actually, here's the sound bite. Here's... Here's an oldie but goodie, and this is Baltimore Mayor Stephanie Rawlings-Blake during the ride. Here's what she said. We also gave those who wished to destroy space to do that as well. We wish to give those that want to destroy the space as well. Let's hear that one more time, Mayor. We also gave those who wished to destroy space to do that as well. Game, set, match. You can blame the police commissioner all you want. You can blame him for all these murders, but when you give them space... We also gave those who wished to destroy space to do that as well. Then you're the one to blame. I have never in my life, I don't ever recall a governor, a mayor, any elected official saying, we're giving the rioters, we're giving the arsonists, we're giving the looters space so that they may destroy the town. I've never heard of that. And this in and of itself, and by the way, there are things, I, I, I go to BaltimoreSun.com every day because I used to live in Baltimore. And there are a lot of shady deals going on in the city of Baltimore. They had a big Grand Prix race. They went Chapter 11. The city was on the hook for millions of dollars. What happens? They reform a new company with all the old cronies. And magically, the city is involved again. And a lot of uh, uh, the mayor's cronies are involved. And guess what? It lost even more money, and they finally said, we're done. But there's a lot of shenanigans going on in Baltimore. When Mayor William Donald Schaefer was mayor back in the 70s and 80s, this nonsense didn't go on. This is going on with these mayors. The the mayor, the predecessor, uh, what was her name? Uh, Sheila Dixon. She was had to resign because of uh, embezzlement and, and stealing of city funds. And now she's running again. You want, you want a retread? I'll tell you, it's Loser City. It's Loser Town. Baltimore, Baltimore used to be known as the Charm City. It's now known as the Loser City when you got these two duds that are going to face each other. It is absolutely absurd. It is ridiculous. And instead of saying to the police commissioner, look, we got to quell this. We got to stop this nonsense in its tracks. It finally took the governor to come up and say, I'm going to take control. Because clearly, Mayor, you have no idea what's going on. And we've seen this time and time again. We've seen this in in New Orleans, where Ray Nagin, 
the city's about to get whacked by a major Cat 5 hurricane, and yet they do nothing. We are now living in, I, I really believe this, where the quality of those elected officials, not all, but we have many elected officials that couldn't find their way out of a piss-soaked paper bag. That's how lame they are. They have no idea on leadership. In fact, if they were any good, they'd be working in the private sector. Now, not, not all mayors. We have some, some good, uh, I think the mayor of Tampa, Bob Buckhorn, is doing a good job. I think the governor, Rick Scott of Florida, is doing a good job. There's some things I disagree with on, on, on Governor Scott. I don't like how he's evasive on some items. My feeling is this. If you are elected to be a mayor, governor, elected in a leadership position, you got to face the music and dance. When the times get tough, a real alpha sits right up in front of that microphone and says, here's what's going on. Here's how I'm going to correct it. And if there are issues, the buck stops with me. Harry Truman had that famous sign, the buck stops here. The problem is today, nobody wants to accept responsibility. And then when, when the shiatsu hits the fan, what do they do? They hide. They get in the bunker. They don't take questions. All of a sudden, reporters are being rude and, and not being polite when they're asked tough questions. Politicians, elected officials, when things are going wrong, they have to stand up and face the music. And I guarantee that if you are like me, you are tired of these politicians that feel that they don't need to be accountable to the very citizens that elected them. They don't need to report to us. They're on a different plane. They're on a different level. They don't need to answer those kind of questions. It's like Hillary Clinton. Blame it on someone else. And we'll get to her. I'm going to get to her at the top of the hour. I promise in the 5 o'clock hour here Eastern Time, I'm going to get to Hillary Clinton. I'm trying to delay it as long as I can because I really can't stand talking about her. But the fact of the matter is this. When we have politicians that duck, that evade, that hide, they must be called on the carpet. And in my estimation, the mayor of Baltimore, Stephanie Rawlings-Blake, should be recalled, face a recall election, and booted out of office. Cigar Dave, the general, in for Schnitt. Schnitt Show. All right, New York Stock Exchange, back in business, although it's already closed. Closed at uh, 4 o'clock. Looking at a live picture right now, and uh, just guys standing around. But uh, market finished off. The Dow down 261 points, 1.47% to the negative side today. Donald Trump. You know, one thing I love about Donald Trump is that when he makes a statement, he's not one of these pansy asses that after public pressure says, oh, I'm sorry, uh, let, let me back off on that. Yeah, I was wrong. Nothing irks me more than when someone makes a statement and you know they believe it. And then they capitulate to public pressure and say, okay, I apologize. Now, sometimes their statements are idiotic. But in many cases, they're making a statement that people believe, that they believe in. And the problem today here in the United States is that the First Amendment is eroding dramatically. If you tell someone good morning the wrong way and they, they're offended, all of a sudden they're going to sue you, they're going to report you. They're like, what do you mean by that? that? That had a very hostile tone to it when you said good morning. We've gone overboard in this country. But the one thing I like about Donald Trump, now, I, and personally, I would vote for Donald Trump because he tells it like it is. He knows how to run a business, bring things in on time and on budget. Now, the Democrats are doing all they can to say, oh, he's a buffoon. Look at the statement that he made. But what he made, the gist of the statement, we have a border that is a sieve. 
And we have to cut these illegals off from coming in. They are illegal aliens. When they came here, they knew they were illegal. They they broke the law. And I just read a a thing that 37% now of all federal convictions are illegal aliens. That's a huge problem, costing us almost $2 billion a year to house and feed these clowns. Well, Donald Trump uh, had an interview with Anderson Cooper on CNN. I believe that's going to air tonight, but they had some excerpts. And now they're going after Donald Trump about illegal labor allegations. I read the story, and we're building a great hotel on Pennsylvania Avenue, and it's being done beautifully. And we're very, very, I'm very cognizant of that. And by the way, that story does not name any names. I'd love them if they could give us the names, but they said they spoke to one or two, and but they don't name them, and they don't even know if it's true. That was Donald Trump. Uh, some reports coming out that uh, that he used illegal labor. Now, here's the problem. When an employee comes to you, a person that wants to work, and you go to hire them, you ask them after you interview them, let's say you, you, you get their, you've got to get, according to federal law, their, I think it's the the I-9 or the W-9. So I'll have you look that up for me. I'm not sure which one it is. I think it's the, I want to say it's the, the, the I-9, where it has to list their name, address, their social security number, and they have to provide two valid forms of ID. Could be a driver's license, could be a birth certificate, could be a social security card, could be a passport. The problem is, if somebody has phony credentials, phony license, phony social security card, there's no central database that an employer can go look that up. So the employer can be doing everything right. They're getting everything. They don't know that it's a phony ID, phony passport, or phony social security card. So you can do everything in your power, and you could still hire illegal aliens. Shut the border. Come up with a central database, and I'll tell you what I would do on the illegal situation when we come back. Last hour of the Schnitt Show with Cigar Dave is next. Is the Schnitt Show. Final hour of the Schnitt Show is on the air. Cigar Dave, the general. America's alpha male front and center filling in for Todd Schnitt today. If you care to join us, I see no reason why you wouldn't. 800-801-8999. 800-801-8999. If you are not familiar with me, get familiar with me. Go to CigarDave.com. Follow me at Twitter at CigarDaveShow. Facebook.com slash CigarDave. I host the nationally syndicated Cigar Dave Show. Heard Saturdays noon to 2 Eastern time on uh, many of the same Schnitt Show affiliates as well as uh, CigarDave.com and the Cigar Dave mobile apps that you can download in the Android, the iPhone slash iPad, and Kindle Fire stores respectively. We talk about the alpha male good life, and today it's a nice change of pace for me because I get to talk about anything I damn well feel like. And there is a ton going on today. First, this morning at 8 a.m., United's computer system goes down due to a router. Now, I'm thinking about this saying the router went down. So what they should do is have their IT guy go over to Best Buy, pick up one of those Linksys routers that are like 79 bucks, put the thing in, and you're back in business. How long does it take to do that? Well, apparently it took about two and a half hours to do that. 
because uh, they were grounded from around 8 o'clock till, uh, well, actually till about 9.45, 10 o'clock till they resumed. And then at 11.32 a.m., the New York Stock Exchange trading is halted. Computer problem. Apparently, and this is what they're saying now, I'm not sure if I believe them or not, that yesterday they were beginning the process of software upgrades, and today, while the upgrades were being implemented, they had a problem. So trading was halted on the New York Stock Exchange, but you could still trade on other exchanges. And then simultaneously with the New York Stock Exchange computers failing, the WallStreetJournal.com site goes down. Now, I have a feeling that was due to overwhelming traffic because, let's face it, the newspaper of record or the website of record, anything going on financial, is the Wall Street Journal, WSJ.com. WallStreetJournal.com comes back online relatively quickly. The New York Stock Exchange, just about three-and-a-half-hour delay until they could resume trading right around 3.15, 3.20 Eastern time today. And uh, they closed out the day down, uh, what did I say, about 261 points, about 1.47%. Another item, Baltimore Mayor Stephanie Rawlings-Blake today fires Police Commissioner Anthony Batts. We... Uh, had the press conference. Now, this is going to be interesting. The police commissioner, Anthony Batts, was black. The replacement, Deputy Commissioner Kevin Davis, is white. So let's see if there's any backlash in the black community about that, especially if they want to crack down on the murders that the mayor addressed in her press conference. And then, yesterday, Hillary Clinton sits down with CNN's Brianna Keeler for her first ever national interview and it was a beauty not only took her what six months since she announced or four months that uh, she announced she was running for president to do an interview and when i looked at the interview it's very apparent to me that hillary clinton is not running to win this election she's running not to lose this election now i'm thrilled i hope she does lose i'm not going to support her and I'm glad that she's timid. I'm glad that she's putting reporters behind ropes. What is amazing to me is how these reporters sit back and take it. But let's take some excerpts from yesterday's interview, first ever national interview on CNN, the Communist News Network. Now, first, Brianna Keeler, the CNN correspondent, asks her about the email issue. Everything I did was permitted by law and regulation. So, yes, this is being blown up with no basis in law or in fact, but I want people to understand what the truth is. And the truth is, everything I did was permitted, and I went above and beyond what anybody could have expected. And I had no obligation to do any of that. That is an absolute blatant load of poppycock. She is full of baloney. Washington Post, March 4th, headline, White House says Clinton did not heed email policy. Former Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton appears to have operated in violation of what the White House said Tuesday was very specific guidance that members of the Obama administration use government email accounts to carry out official business. Clinton did not have a government account at the State Department, but instead used her personal email account, by the way, on her own server. That was permissible only if 
All emails relating to government business were turned over and archived by the State Department, according to White House Press Secretary Josh Earnest. Now, it's very clear that what the Clintons do is they parse words, they twist, they fabricate. They, you know, what is the meaning of the word is? This is what they do. They're never honest. They're never straight. And that's what the American people are fed up about, without any question. So she said she violated zero laws. Well, she violated the Obama administration's requirement that all email business be transacted on a government email account. So while, in fact, she says no laws were broken, she violated the Obama administration's requirement and rules. And she says we went above and beyond. Well, she erased some things from her server. Now, she said, well, they were my daughter's wedding, about socks, what a load. I remind you that Hillary Clinton served during Watergate as uh, an assistant counsel to the Democrat, many of the Democratic senators. So let's talk about gaps. Specifically, she knew all about the 18-minute gap on the Nixon-Watergate tape. So for her to play this nonsense saying, well, I turned over everything except I erased personal items. If you're going to keep your email on a personal server, which was in violation of the Obama administration's rules, then you better turn over every damn email, including the one talking about your daughter's weddings and your daughter's cakes and your stupid socks. Now, let's go on to the next cut here. CNN's Brianna Keeler asks Hillary Clinton about trust and trust issues the American people may have with her. I can only tell you that um, I was elected twice in New York against the same kind of onslaught. I was uh, confirmed and served as Secretary of State. And I think it's understandable that when questions are raised, people maybe are thinking about them and wondering about them. But I have every confidence that during the course of this campaign, people are going to know who will fight for them, who will be there when they need them, and that's the kind of person I am. And this has been a theme that has been used against me and my husband for many, many years. Here we go. Vast right-wing conspiracy, blah, blah, blah. No, the Clintons don't fight for others. They fight for themselves. That's proven fact. We've seen that over the last 20 years. It's all about the Clintons. The rest of the world revolves around them. Now, she says she won election twice in New York. Well, New York is filled. The crumbling empire state is filled with Lib Democrats. Of course she's going to win. You could have run a chimp. You could have run a python, and it would have won as long as it ran on the Democrat ticket. Now, in terms of trust issues where she says the American people trust me, she is delusional. Wednesday, June 17th, from CNN. Headline, a majority of voters in three key presidential swing states view Hillary Clinton as not honest and trustworthy. A majority in Florida said she wasn't trustworthy. In Ohio, she wasn't trustworthy. And Pennsylvania, she wasn't trustworthy. And oh, by the way, Ohio and Pennsylvania certainly are not Republican strongholds. She's delusional. The American people do not trust her. Let's look at Benghazi. Let's look at Emailgate. It goes on and on and on with these Clintons. They are skis balls. 
You feel after you listen to her, I almost feel now that I need to go in and take a shower with disinfectant after listening to the nonsense she's spewing. Now let's talk about when she's asked regarding Donald Trump and the his immigration stance. They are all in the you know, in the same general area on immigration. You know, they don't want to provide a path to citizenship. Nor should we. I don't want illegals to have citizenship. They have no right to citizenship. What have they done to earn it? They broke our laws the second they stepped foot on American soil. So we should give them a pathway to citizenship? Hell to the no. They range across a spectrum of being either grudgingly welcome or hostile toward immigrants. No, no, no. We're not hostile towards immigrants. I'm very welcoming of legal immigrants. Legal immigrants that come into this nation, that want to learn our language, that want to partake in our customs and our ceremonies and our holidays. But I, have a, I am absolutely hostile to illegal aliens that come to this country illegally, knowing they're illegal, and sucking up our resources. You're damn right I'm hostile, Hillary. And I'm going to talk about comprehensive immigration reform. I'm going to talk about all of the good, law-abiding, productive uh, members of the immigrant community that I personally know, that I've met over the course of my life, uh, that I would like to see uh, have a path to citizenship. Gee, what about the 37% of illegal aliens that are now in this country that are tying up the, that have been convicted uh, in the court system? 37% came out today. 37% of the convictions in our federal court system, illegal aliens. 37%. That's a huge number costing Americans, I think, $1.7 billion every year. And the Democrats say, well, we have to have a pathway to citizenship. No, we don't. No, we do not. We need to close our border first. And we don't have, they don't have the right to become citizens. I would never allow them to be citizens. Maybe in certain instances we look and say, well, if you establish that you are no crime, that you have been uh, law-abiding, we'll allow you a resident card. But you never get citizenship, you never can vote, and you can't partake in government welfare programs or government assistance, period. Now, in terms of Hillary Clinton, the expected competition, this is a classic. This is a classic because you know Hillary Clinton thought she was just going to breeze right along, dance all the way through to the nomination because she was going to be coronated. The queen should be coronated. She shouldn't have to undergo primaries and challenges. I always thought this would be a competitive race, so... Bull! Competitive race. She thought she was going to dance to the victory line without any competition, let alone from Bernie Sanders, who sounds like Jackie Mason's long-lost cousin. Oh, I am happy to have a chance to get out and run my campaign as I see fit and let other candidates do exactly the same. She's happy. I am happy. Because... Oh, yes. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Hillary Clinton is happy to have the competition. Baloney. She thought she was going to march right through. When we come back, I will tell you, this is a classic. I saved the best line for last. You're going to want to listen to this one. She set herself up. She gave me this line on a silver platinum lined platter. So when we come back here on the Schnitt Show, we will wrap it up with Hillary Clinton, her big interview, her first national interview yesterday on CNN with Brianna Keeler. Cigar Dave, the general, in for Schnitt, 800-801-8999. If you care to join us, 800-801-8999.
This is Schnitt. The Schnitt Show. Remaining 35 minutes, Cigar Day, the general. America's alpha male front and center in for Schnitt, 800-801-8999. Let's wrap it up with Hillary Clinton's first national interview yesterday on CNN, the Communist News Network. Correspondent Brianna Keeler asks Hillary a softball question about putting a woman on one of the U.S. currency, on a $10 bill, $20 bill, whatever. You know, I am very torn about it. I want a woman on a bill. Um, I don't know why they picked the $10 bill. Um, some people are now agitating for the $20 the 20? bill. Do you think that should be the 20 uh, You know, I, I want a woman on the bill. Oh, I can go so many places with that last comment. I want a woman on the bill. I think a woman has already been on bill. Many times. In fact, I don't think there's any question. Uh, there's a woman right on the bill on bill right now. I'll tell you something. I'm really enjoying. This is beautiful. I'll tell you, I, I'm really. I want a woman on the bill. Oh, she's on me right now. It's very pleasurable. I've got a t- sweetheart a little lower. Yeah, that's a little, 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 little more tongue. There you go, sweetheart. Very nice. She set herself up for that one. She wants a woman on Bill. Beautiful. I think Bill had many women in the White House and other places. So that's how we're going to end it uh, right there with Hillary Clinton. She wants a woman. Actually, I'll let her say it. I want a woman on the bill. Speaking of a woman, let's go to Cindy in Oklahoma City where the wind comes whipping down the range. You are front and center on Schnitt. Hey, how are you? Fantastic. I really like that. Okay. I just have a few facts here. Over over 100,000 Americans have been killed by illegal immigrants. Over 100,000 since 2008. Where did right. Cindy? Where, let me ask you. Where did you get that factoid from? I, I got these facts listening to um, different radio stations. I write everything down, just like I'm writing down what you're saying uh, about the uh, the illegal immigrants in jail. Thirty seven percent. I'm pretty sure uh, I got this off of um, oh geez, Kennedy, Kennedy, Kennedy's. Okay. Um, well, Sue will have you look up these facts. Okay, but go ahead. Okay. And then that doesn't count. All uh, there's also a case of uh, TB coming through that's incurable, and they were just releasing them. I heard this on Fox News: a the- case of TB incurable, and they just released them into our country. Uh, there's new cases of measles already, and at, that doesn't count all the rapes. That doesn't count all the child that they're they're stealing children. I mean. It's, and, and that doesn't count all the people that are killed coming over the border, all the women. You know, Hillary's supposed to be for women's rights. C- Cindy, i got to wrap it up. I appreciate your comments. Look, not all illegal aliens are like that, but many are. Schnitt. All right, last 25 minutes of the Schnitt Show. Last 25 minutes that uh, yours truly, Cigar Dave, the general, America's alpha male, will be filling in for Schnitt's. When does he come back anyway? Next Monday? He's always on vacation. He's like Johnny Carson. He's never around. What does he get, like uh, eight months of vacation a year? This uh, interesting story that the gun used in the fatal San Francisco pier shooting, the shooting that involved that illegal alien, used a gun stolen from a federal agent's car. 
Lovely. The firearm in question was issued to a Bureau of Land Management Law Enforcement Ranger. So it was a government-issued weapon. And according to the statement they released, the agent's car was broken into and the theft occurred. The theft took place on June 27th in San Francisco. The firearm was secured in the vehicle at the time it was stolen. Well, obviously it wasn't secured well enough. The statement indicated that the theft was immediately reported to the San Francisco police. Francisco Sanchez was charged with murder in connection with the July 1st killing. And there is no, and that, that woman, think about this. You're, I, I know right where she was. I think she was at Pier 14 or, or near Fisherman's Wharf, right along Embarcadero in San Francisco. Been there many times. Just a beautiful, picturesque setting. You're sitting, enjoying the water, looking out, seeing Alcatraz, the, maybe some of the sea fog coming in. Enjoying yourself, and the next thing you know, dead with a bullet shot by this illegal alien. Unacceptable. And Donald Trump, in a way, was prescient because what he brought up talking about illegal aliens and closing the border at his campaign announcement came to fruition. And now I'm looking, if you look at uh, DrudgeReport.com, and let me pull that up, over the last couple of days, there has been nothing but headlines talking about various illegal aliens in various parts of the country committing crimes. So while there's out without any question, the majority of illegal aliens are, with the exception of breaking the law when they step foot on the United States soil, they're not breaking laws, but there are many that are breaking laws, that are criminals. 37% of, our, of the criminals being sentenced in the federal system now, illegal aliens. And we're seeing that the Obama administration doesn't want to deport these people because they are future Democrat Party voters. That's what it boils down to, plain and simple. It's not that Hillary Clinton or the Democrats have a love of illegal aliens. They could care less. They say they do. They say we must be sympathetic. We must be passionate. We must have we must be be have humanitarian assistance for these people. But the reality is they're here for one reason. That's the only reason they care about, because they're going to be future Democrat voters if they are le- become legal citizens. It is that simple. And I'm just looking here on DrudgeReport.com. Donald Trump now leads the GOP field in North Carolina. Now, if anybody thinks that Donald Trump is a buffoon and Donald Trump is a clown, they're sadly mistaken. Now, the Democrats want to push that on everyone. They would love for people to believe that Donald Trump, Donald Trump is a, a total clown, or Schnitt says is an ass clown. That's not the case. Now, is Donald Trump perfect? No. He's gone through bankruptcy on some of his businesses. There's an old adage. When you owe the bank a million dollars, you don't sleep. When you owe the bank a hundred million dollars, the bank doesn't sleep. And he went bankrupt on a number of his properties in Atlantic City and, uh, and, and numerous other places. So he has used the bankruptcy laws to his advantage, and he has come back. So he's not perfect. Donald Trump, but and some of the things that I disagree with Donald Trump at his, at his speech, he went way too long about himself. Me, 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 I, I, I. I'm successful. I'm a billionaire. I'm great. What he should spend his time talking about is how his ability is going to help the American people in their daily lives. Talk about how he's going to improve the economy. 
Talk about how he's going, to, he's going to create jobs. Get government out of citizens and businesses' hair. How, how, how we're going to shut down the border. We're going to stop the flow of illegals. We're going to deal with it once and for all. And by the way, I love President Ronald Reagan. But every president since Ronald Reagan, or, or really Jimmy Carter, has been complicit in not securing the border. That includes Ronald Reagan. That includes George W. Bush. That includes Barack Obama. That includes Bill Clinton. I will go after both parties. They are both complicit in the flow of illegal aliens into this country. Got to be stopped. But if the Democrats and the PMSNBC or the uh, Communist News Network of CNN, if they think that they're going to keep, pardon the the, the pun, they're going to keep Trump trumping that, Trump is a buffoon, is a clown. They're kidding themselves because Americans are fed up. And I believe the murder of that young woman in San Francisco is the tipping point. People are a little fed up. And by the way, the black community is being harmed because jobs are being taken away from them. Now, hopefully they'll be smart enough to realize that and say, we're not just going to give the Democrats our vote come 2016. We're going to make them earn it. And if the Democrats aren't doing anything, then the black community, the Jewish community, I don't care what community, they should not vote as one monolithic block towards one party, especially when the Democrats haven't done anything for the black community. I'm consistently amazed the black community votes overwhelmingly Democratic. And yet, what has the Democrat Party done for them? Nothing. Jews overwhelmingly, not like they used to, used to be almost 100%, but now let's say 65, 67, 63%, somewhere in the low to mid-60s, vote for the Democrats. Yet they have a president sitting in the Oval Office that is the most anti-Israeli president in American history. Yet they will all march to the voting booth like dumb lemmings, and they'll vote Democrat all the way down the, the block. Democrat, 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 Democrat. Guarantee you, you could put Adolf Hitler as a candidate and they would vote Democrat. Guaranteed. I love my grandmother, Grandma Ida, Nanny Ida. I will never forget to the day she died. She would always tell, I vote for Democrats. That's it. Again, you could put Adolf Hitler on there. You could put Benito Mussolini. You could put Attila the Hun on there. She's going to vote Democrat. Now, that's changed. And there was a reason why they voted Democrat for many years, because it was the party of the working class. But things have changed. The Democrats are out for the Democrats. They're not out for anyone else but themselves. And that's why they want the illegals to be made citizens. So when they say we need immigration reform, what they're really saying is, We want to make illegal aliens, any of them, all of them that continue coming in, the right to be citizens. Just like that. Snap our fingers, they're citizens. No way. Absolutely no way. All right, this is an interesting item here. The Washington Redskins. As you know, everything is offensive. The name Washington Redskins is offensive. Good morning is offensive. Everything is offensive. I I talked on my Cigar Dave show last week or the week before about... Squaw Island in Buffalo, a an small little island, I don't know, maybe 15, 18 acres in the Niagara River. 
right off the shore of Buffalo, New York, the crumbling empire state of New York, I might add, in which, since 1639, the island was called Squaw Island, and two Native Americans said they were offended, so the Buffalo City Council had to meet immediately and change the name from Squaw Island to Unity Island. Now, this has been around since 1639, but all of a sudden, they're offended. And this is the problem now. Everybody is offended. Now, the Washington Redskins, if anything, portray Native Americans, Indians, in nothing but a positive light. Everything is positive. There is absolutely no way that they disparage Indians in any way, shape, or form. In fact, they embrace the Native American pride and culture, just like the Florida State Seminoles. And by the way, the Seminole tribe gives permission to the Florida State University to use the name Seminoles. They're proud of it. And to me, when I look at the Florida State Seminoles and you see Chief Osceola and Renegade on the horse with the spear, the fire, the, the, the spear that's on fire before the games, that to me says, hey, that's cool. So they portray Native Americans in a positive light. But everybody gets offended today. The latest example, the Washington Redskins now have had a judge, a U.S. District Judge, Gerald Bruce Lee, decide that their team's federal trademark registration will be null and void. The cancellation hailed by Native American activists as a huge victory. And how many activists are there? 30? It says it doesn't go into effect until the team has exhausted the appeals process in the federal court system. Redskins president Bruce Allen vowed today that the team would appeal. We are convinced that we will win on appeal as the facts and the law are on the side of our franchise that has proudly used the name Washington Redskins for more than 80 years. But even if the Redskins take the the case to the Supreme Court and lose, the team can still use Redskins and seek trademark protection under state law. The team has argued that a cancellation of its trademarks could taint its brand and remove legal benefits that would protect it against copycat entrepreneurs. U.S. District Judge Gerald Bruce Lee's decision affirmed an earlier ruling by the Federal Trademark Trial and Appeal Board. Last year, the appeal board declared in a two-to-one vote that the team's moniker is offensive to Native Americans and therefore ineligible for federal trademark protection under the Lanham Act. They can still call themselves Redskins, the team Redskins, but other people could then infringe on that trademark. In other words, they could use that trademark for their own benefit. And every company and business wants to protect their trademark. Cigar Dave is a federally trademarked name. So those of you that want to use Cigar Dave, be careful. We'll come after you if you do. You want to protect your your name. You want to protect your your intellectual property. And this, I really believe that this... This era we're in where everybody is offensive goes into this millennial generation where everybody's a winner. From the time they play t-ball, from the time they're two, three years old, they're all told, you're a winner. You're a champion. Nobody loses. And consequently, they become offended very easily. They become offended at names. They become offended when they don't win. They become offended at everything. Now, when I was growing up, you had winners and losers. You had valedictorians, you had people that won awards, won won ribbons, won championships. You had winners, you had losers. Or you had people that won, not necessarily losers, but you had certain people in the class that won things. When you grow up, that's what you learned. 
But now, somewhere along the line, over the last 20, 25 years, we've, de- we've de- evolved into this culture where from the time a kid is comes out of the womb, they're considered winners. You're a winner. In T-ball, we don't keep score because we want everybody to think that they're winners. From the time they're in school, we don't have valedictorians. We don't give out prizes because everybody's special and everybody's a winner in their own right. We are creating a nation of wussified hussies. That's exactly what this country has become. We're soft. Fact. And so now, somebody's offended by Redskins. Somebody's offended by Squaw Island. Somebody's offended by the name of some sort of cereal. And now we have to jump up and down and change the names, lest people be offended. It's about time that we end this this aura, this era that we're in of everybody being a winner. That there are no winners, there are no losers. Yes, there are. There are winners and there's losers. And the problem is now with the Democrats, they want everybody to end the same. Everybody should make the same. Everybody should be fair. Here's what I believe. Everybody should have a fair start. Everybody should have an even start. But there's no guarantee where you're going to end up. For some people that work hard, they're going to achieve success. Some more financial success than others. But that in and of itself should not be a reason to be offended. Enough. Let's grow a set of nads. Let's stop being a soft nation. Let's be a rugged, tough United States of America. That's what made this country great. Not a bunch of, not a nation of wussified beta males and beta females. Lieutenants, or lieutenants. It's not like I'm talking the Cigar Dave show. See, I'm already going into my Saturday show. That's what I call the people that listen to me. But on the uh, the final and concluding segment of this edition of the Schnitt Show Special Edition, hosted by yours truly, Cigar Dave the General. Uh, General Cigar Dave, last segment of Schnitz. Again, did Schnitt a big favor. He begged, got on his knees. It's pretty pathetic to see him beg. But I did it anyway for him because he's a longtime friend and colleague. I know he's out in California. Now, as I mentioned to you earlier in the show, uh, Schnitt on his Twitter feed took a picture of the restaurant sign, The French Laundry. Now, that is owned by Thomas Keller. He owns uh, multiple restaurants, The French Laundry in Napa, California, and he also owns a restaurant in New York called Per Se, or as I like to refer to it, Persoso. So here is the menu on of the French Laundry. Not my cup of tea, but let's get the appropriate music. Since it's very gray pouponi, the French Laundry, here is the chef's tasting menu for today. Actually, this is yesterday, July 7th. Oysters and pearls, sabayan of pearl tapioca, with Island Creek oysters and white sturgeon caviar. For a $75 supplement, you can enjoy some royal acetric caviar, smoked sturgeon panacata, compressed cucumbers, garden dill, and oyster crackers. Now, this is a preset menu. It's $295, including the gratuity. You get, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten courses. Don't get excited. The cumulative weight of all 10 courses is three quarters of an ounce. Okay, when you're going to get the oysters and pearl, you're going to get like one one hundredth of an ounce. You'll then continue on with chilled summer melon soup. Literally about one sixteenth of a cup. Chatonnet carrots, coconut gelée, and garden shiso. 
followed by Hudson Valley Moulard Duck Fagua Terrine, Jacobson Orchard's Peach Marmalade, Burgundy Mustard, and Wild Arugula. Oop, that's a $40 supplement in case you want that instead. Your main courses consist of sautéed filet of Pacific yellowtail, summer pole beans, larat potato custard, garden beet emulsion, and frisé salad. Alaskan king crab piccata, applewood smoked bacon, hard-boiled bantam hen egg, romaine lettuce, and pickled young onions. I prefer my onions a little more mature. Then they have wolf ranch white quail, macaroni and cheese. Again, 310 bucks plus extras. And it's all of one and a half ounces of food. Biggest ripoff there is. When I went to Per Se or Persoso in New York, I had to go to Katz's Deli to get a corned beef sandwich to eat. Cigar Dave the General. Been a delight to fill in for Schnitt. Follow me at CigarDave.com, at Cigar Dave Show on Twitter. Cigar Dave the General. So long filling in for Schnitt. Schnitt, you owe me big time, buddy. This is the Schnitt Show.